Of all the emotions, anger is the one most like an addictive substance because anger leads you to denial. And the more you have anger, in order to keep up the fiction that you haven't induced these problems yourself, you have to be even more angry. You have to be angry at people who let this go wrong and people who do that. In order to stay in denial about how angry you are and how much your anger is at the root of your problems, you have to get even angrier. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we are exploring the topic of anger as we continue our series in the Proverb A Day in May. This message from Timothy Keller will help us to explore one of the primary topics explored in the book of Proverbs. Stay tuned for that message. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about missions, and in particular, how we can reach New England with the gospel of Christ as we're joined by Matt Rhodes, the author of No Shortcut to Success. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Over the past 10 years of living here on the Cape, I have been working very hard to develop a missions strategy on how to reach New Englanders with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Serving in a ministry here at Songtime where uh, our reach extends across New England and much of the Northeast, we found that over 50 counties are under 3% evangelical. And seven cities here in the Northeast in New England are the least reached cities in the United States. And right here on Cape Cod, where I live, um, it's only around 2% uh, evangelical. If this was a third world country, our area here would be an unreached people group. And that is rather frightening and, and troubling. While there are a lot of movements and there have been a lot of effort from other churches in the other parts of the United States to, to reach New England, uh, the statistics haven't changed much. So what can we actually do in order to reach our communities with the gospel? That's why I'm excited to be joined today by uh, Matt Rhodes, who's written a book called No Shortcut to Success a manifesto for modern missions. Now, he is actually a missionary in the foreign field, but this book, I think, really hits a lot of the notes that I have been thinking and processing and considering about how we reach New Englanders with the gospel. So it's a real privilege to have him with us. Matt, thank you so much for being a part of the Many Voices for that one message. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself, and uh, I'll let you do that because you'll probably uh, tell us the right information, and I won't, we won't get into too much details about what you're doing, but you're actually a missionary in the foreign field, so tell us a little bit about you and your call to missions and what you're doing. Sure. Uh, my wife and I, we work as church planters in Northern Africa. Uh, we're, we're mostly working with a large Muslim tribe there. Um, so I've been in North Africa since 2011. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, my, my wife has been since we got married. She was in sub-Saharan Africa before that. Mm. And this is, a, this is, you know, you're pretty coy about where you're working, obviously for good reasons, but uh, this is a, primarily an unreached people group. This is a, a group that, um, you know, you're not going into an area where there's already megachurches, established communities of Christians, right? Right. There are, there are no known churches among the... The tribe that we're working with. Uh, there's about 800,000 people, and in, in, in the heartland itself, we know of one believer. We've heard reports of other believers who have emigrated to other countries. Mm. This, is a, this is something I think that Americans have a hard time wrapping their mind around, that there are large communities in, in the world today that have no churches, no opportunities, no access to the gospel in any way. 
and yet you're serving there on the front lines. Um, help our our listeners understand the sort of ministry and the scope of, of what's actually happening around the world. Yeah, about a third of the world is is seen as being beyond the reach of the gospel right now. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't reach people, but it does mean that uh, for whatever reason, people are, are, are likely to go through their lives without hearing the gospel in a credible way. And for example, the the group of people my wife and I are working with, um, they, they have no Bible translation in their in their tongue. And so that's one of the things that we're working on is to translate the Bible for them. But we obviously have several hundred translations available in English. Yes, yeah, several hundred. Uh, that's true. And uh, even when we're here in New England, there's it seems that their population of Christianity is pretty low. Um, uh, it seems we're in a post-Christian world, or at least an unreached people group, even though there are, there are many churches. There are churches almost on every corner here in New England. Uh, but uh, we still see that this is a great mission field as well. It's interesting to look at, at places around the world that have absolutely no church, no access, and, as you mentioned, <laughs> no Bible in their own language. It's, it's hard to see what's happening in the world and, and know that the gospel still has power and still can be carried forward and and do great things for the kingdom of God when we're living in such a, a dark place. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we are seeing in, in in parts of Europe, I think the situation is even worse than in New England. You know, mm-hmm. there are uh, fairly large towns that won't have uh, a single a single evangelical church anymore. But I, I think, that, you know, d- despite the challenges that we see, and they are real, uh, there, the, the gospel does have power. We we do see it moving forward. I think the the key is that it often takes time and it takes a real significant cost. Your book here, No Shortcut to Success: A Manifesto for Modern Missions, um, it's delving into a subject that I think uh, really kind of rubs the American mindset the wrong way. You know, we want to find that shortcut to success. And you're you're really submitting an argument that there is no shortcut. Yeah, I think the American mindset is very attuned to to speed and to numbers, mm-hmm. and that's partly because that's how we work economically. If you can raise production, then you can outdo your competitors, and 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 and, and we also probably have a sense just because of the way technology has developed in the last hundred fifty years that there there is a better answer and an ultimate key to unlock things. Um, but in, in, in the missions world, and I think in ministry more generally, that's, that's something we really need to be very careful about. Uh, I think with, you know, a lot of churches going online that hadn't been previously online with this past pandemic and, uh, and now having streaming their services online, there's this idea and mindset, oh, wow, we have access. Now we have limited access to people, limitless access to people that we can, we can really start to grow our ministry. But after two years, uh, not a lot has changed for most of those churches. There is an allure to shortcuts, but uh, they often, uh, they seem promising, but uh, they don't fulfill on those promises. Yeah, and something we've seen in our own society, you know, with, for example, the, the podcast Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Church, we, we've seen how there can even be something that's very apparently successful and yet ultimately if we're not building on scriptural foundations it can it took nine weeks for the for mars hill church to to, to stop meeting now that doesn't mean every time god works quickly that that will happen but it's something we have to keep in mind 
We've been talking with Matt Rhodes, who's the author of No Shortcut to Success, a manifesto for modern missions. You can find out more information about his book by giving us a call. It's 508-362-7070. I personally believe that every Christian here in New England and the Northeast ought to be passionate about missions, not only world missions, but also our local missions as we seek to to reach our neighbors and our communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be very concerned, and while there is a lot of concern drummed up about politics and what's happening in our world today, not much of our energy is actually dedicated to the answer to that problem. That is missions, and how do we reach the world with the gospel of Christ, advancing the kingdom of God. So if we are going to be passionate about what's happening in the world. We ought to be passionate about missions as well. And that's why I think this book is such a great resource. If you'd like to find out more information about Matt Rhodes, and again, his book, No Shortcut to Success, a Manifesto for Modern Missions, again, please give us a call, 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. Well, today we are continuing our series for this month, A Proverb a Day in May, and there are many topics throughout the book of Proverbs, many that discuss the the issues of the heart, the issues of our our tongue and what we say with our mouths, as well as uh, being a light, a lot to be said about missions as well. But this week, we're going to be talking about the subject of anger. We're joined now by a, a great message from Dr. Timothy Keller as he breaks down the theme of anger in the book of Proverbs. We're looking at the book of Proverbs, looking at the subject of wisdom. What's wisdom? In uh, 1 Kings 3, Solomon prays for wisdom. And when he prays for wisdom, he defines it like this. He says, God, give me a heart that can discern right from wrong. And you might say, he was the king of Israel. He had the law of God. Why does he need a heart to discern right from wrong? And the answer is, wisdom is not less than being moral and good, but it's quite a bit more. It's knowing what is the right decision to make, what is the right course of action, in the vast majority of life situations that the moral rules don't address. Now, we come to one of the main themes of the book of Proverbs, which is if you're going to live a wise life, if you're going to have a heart that discerns, you need to understand and handle anger, not only in yourself, but in other people as well. There's four things we're going to learn about anger that you have to know to be wise. It's dangerous power its basic goodness, why it goes wrong, and how it can be healed. So let's look. Uh, First of all, uh, it's dangerous power. The uh, anger is an explosive, literally. It's the dynamite of the soul. And as a result, anger has the power to disintegrate things, to pulverize things like an explosive. First of all, it can disintegrate your body. Look at the very uh, first couple of Proverbs. A quick-tempered man displays folly. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. All kinds of research shows that anger is much worse on your body. Anger is far worse on your heart than anxiety, than sorrow, than any other emotion. Even uh, it's harder on your heart than uh, extreme physical exertion. Nothing sets you up for heart attacks. Nothing sets you up for heart disease. Nothing rots your bone and disintegrates your body like anger. Secondly, anger doesn't just disintegrate, only disintegrate the body, but also community. If you look down to the uh, fourth, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. 
Uh, when you get angry, you throw words around like weapons. They have an enormous amount of uh, damaging power, and they wound people, they wound relationships, they destroy relationships. Very often you can never get them back. So anger disintegrates body, and anger disintegrates the community. Anger, third of all, disintegrates your wisdom, that is, your ability to make wise choices at all. Uh, so the very first uh, proverb, a patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. After you've cooled off, when you think of the things you said, when you think of the things you've done, after you've been angry and you've cooled off, don't you feel like a fool? You know why you feel like a fool? Because you were a fool. That's the point. When you get angry, it distorts your view of things, your view of the situation, your view of yourself, your view of the world, your view of others, uh, so that you make stupidly destructive choices. But not only does anger disintegrate the body and community and your ability to make wise choices, it actually destroys your will. It actually destroys your ability to make intelligent choices at all. Uh, the last one to look at here would be, a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty if you rescue him you will have to do it again and again and again. Of all the emotions, anger is the one most like an addictive substance. It's because anger leads you to denial. It, you can admit you're worried. You can admit you're sorrowful. You can admit everything but anger. Anger hides itself. Anger, like, a, like an addictive substance, leads you into denial. You say, oh, I'm not angry. I'm just, uh, I'm just sticking up for myself. I'm just getting it off my chest. I'm, I'm just an activist. I'm just looking out for justice. I'm just a direct speaker. I just, I tell it like it is. I rock the boat. Because you deny your anger, you can have anger. <laughs> and the more angry you are, the more these problems, social and psychological problems, show up. And the more you have anger and the problems that anger brings into your life, the broken relationships, etc., the more that happens, <clears throat> in order to keep up the fiction that you haven't induced these problems yourself, you have to be even more angry. You have to be angry at people who let this go wrong and people who do that. In order to stay in denial about how angry you are and how much your anger is at the root of your problems, you have to get even angrier. Anger becomes addictive. Here's a letter to a, a newspaper counselor. Dear counselor, you told the mother of a three-year-old with anger problems to let him kick the furniture to get the anger out of his system. Well, my younger brother used to kick the furniture when he got mad. He's 32 years old now. He's still kicking the furniture, what's left of it, but he's also kicking his wife, the kids, and anything else that gets in his way. Last week he kicked a television out of a second-story window. The window was closed at the time. There, that, came, that was quoted in a Psychology Today article that was uh, bringing out the fact that whereas 20 or 30 years ago in our culture there was a lot of emphasis on ventilating your anger and the best way to, uh, the most healthy thing is to express your anger, but more and more people are starting to see what the proverb says is right. And that is the more you are angry, the more you need to be angry, and the more you will be angry, you lose control. Do you see the destructive power, the enormous destructive power, the ability to disintegrate things? that anger has. Today's proverb of the day for May is chapter 16, and my selection for today is verse 6. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. I've been asking this question quite a bit lately. How do we motivate people to stop sinning? 
How do we motivate people to love God? You can't do so by by pure discipline. You can't force somebody into loving God through uh, some psychological tricks and jargon. No, to help people understand how to love the the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we need to focus on the work of God, the work of Christ, to become the iniquity for our sins, to atone for all of our sins, to realize we have sinned. And by the fear of the Lord, it says here, that one turns away from evil. Honor and respect, reverence and awe, that what God would do to punish his son— where, what do we do with the fear of the Lord? That's a very good question. It's not something that we, we typically relate to. We don't want to fear God. We want to love God, right? But where does fear come in? When we acknowledge that God cannot tolerate sin, God must punish sin. But God, in his great providence, in his great love towards us, he desired to, to forgive us and punish his only son. Jesus did not do away with the the uh, the work of God, his holiness and, and his righteousness. No, not at all. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, uh, justifying God's righteousness. And God becomes the one who is just and the one who justifies the unrighteous. Proverbs 16, verse 6 is one of my favorite Proverbs, and for good reason. I think it presents the gospel in a beautiful way, a reminder that by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. So what's going to motivate us from uh, to stop sinning? What's going to motivate us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? When we re- realize and remember and reflect upon the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you and for me. We need to sit longer at the foot of the cross, brothers and sisters. We need to linger there and consider the price that was paid for us. And then... And seeing how we have been forgiven, we should get up and be encouraged to go and sin no more. I hope that this encourages you, and I hope that we will hear from you. We always love to hear from our listeners, and maybe this is the first time that you have something to say. We, we would love for you to write into us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508 362 7070. That's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. Don't forget to tune in again tomorrow as we continue our study at Proverb A Day in May. In this message from Timothy Keller, we'll talk about that sticky question, how do we deal with the anger of God? Anger is nothing but love in motion when someone or something you love is under threat. And that's the reason why when the Bible says God is angry all the time, it's because he loves us. And he hates, the, and he's angry at the cancer of sin that's destroying the human race which he made and he loves with his whole being. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it.